What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys join us today. We're going to be talking about something we've never had on the podcast, and that's how to get your race truck or your build sponsored by companies. And joining us today is Josh from the Sponsored Rider Podcast, and his show, that's all he talks about is with professionals and racers and companies every week about how to do just that, how to market your your vehicle or your your build or whatever it might be to interested companies to be able to create a, a relationship where you can use either that that marketing and that audience or that money to be able to sustain a, a race program throughout the year so we're really, we're really excited to have them on today we're going to be talking about diesel trucks and how to do that whether it's for you know racing or a SEMA build or anything in between so we're pretty pumped to have them on the podcast today before we get to it though we want to thank two of our sponsors the first is diesel world magazine those guys do a fantastic job all year round of covering every event, Dino Day, Open House, new product releases, builds, tons of things. Make sure you go to dieselworldmag.com and check them out. They update the site every day. You can also listen to the Diesel Podcast on their website as well. Up at the top, just click the Diesel Podcast and you can listen to our latest episodes. Also, we want to thank Diesel Doctor of Tennessee. Diesel Doctor builds Cummins Duramax Power Stroke engines for racing, towing, daily driving, Anything you use your truck for, they, they build it, and they have a five-year warranty on their builds as well. We've had Cass from Diesel Doctor on the podcast a few times to talk about engines and things that they do. Stay tuned for an episode with him coming right around the corner. All right, guys, let's get to how to get your truck sponsored with Josh from the Sponsored Rider Podcast. This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, I'm Clint Cannon from ATS. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Dimitri from No Zone Diesel. I'm Cass from Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. Josh, I am pumped to chat with you today, man. I've been following your podcast for a while, and there's so much great information that you put out there for motorsports and racers and things like that. And I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Uh, mostly because your audience, I feel, is going to benefit from this. Uh, I hope so, at least. That's my goal. That's my intent, <laughs> is that people are going to listen to this and someone is going to stop immediately after they get through a couple of these topics. They're going to stop and they're going to, Go on Instagram or go on an email and message a sponsor and find out like that they could get a 20% discount on their tire package or or they could get that, that supercharger they've been working on or oh you're not doing superchargers we're talking about the diesel podcast here you know that new turbo <laughs> right that new turbo uh, you know they're gonna get 15% off of that thing because of a sponsorship package so I'm excited for that that's that is the the main thing is like I, I was looking back at our episodes. And I thought, I have not chatted about, okay, you're, you're out there racing, you're, you, know, you have this truck built, you're starting to travel outside your state or region more, and now you want to step it up to the next level and compete. Well, how do you do that? I'm, I've never talked about it. And your podcast is centered all around it. And you've got a lot of great guests from people in NASCAR and tons of different things where they tell you know, your audience, hey, this is how you make a connection. This is how you show value and i just wanted you to talk a little bit about your podcast and and the the things you've learned doing it that our audience the diesel truck owners and racers can learn from yeah definitely well first off i mean you and i talked a little bit about this in the pre-interview i knew absolutely zero about podcasts and even less about motorsport sponsorship before starting this show this would have been in uh, december of 2016 is when i started doing it 
Uh, I knew zero, but it was just very interesting interesting to me how people would walk around with like logos on their shirts and slapped all over their vehicles. Like, okay, what does this really mean? And uh, I personally <laughs> love anything with a motor in it, uh, and I and I definitely love business. That's you know kind of what I do uh, during my day job. I'm I'm business oriented, so I really love talking about business stuff. And I just somehow this thing stumbled into reality, and I started doing the show. But you know the intent, the purpose of the show is to help uh, riders or racers or you know sometimes the weekend warriors better understand how to market themselves or at least highlight that it's possible to market themselves so that they can ultimately attract and retain sponsors. And there's a number of people who do this in the world that you would never think of. Um, Even like there's Instagram stars that that's how they make their living is based off of this form of influencer marketing. That's what this is. Sponsorship is a way that companies target influencers people that others trust and they get them to represent their brand and sell their product but that's what we do um, and I want to give that knowledge to people um, so that they they know what the possibilities are or like you and I were talking a little bit earlier there's people who are they're doing their weekend uh, dune rides maybe and they need to they blew a tire and they need to get a new one well great that's five hundred dollars um, you know, maybe there's a different way to offset that huge cost. Or if you're going to the truck pulls, um, and you're trying to figure out your next setup because you, you're, you need to compete on the next level. Well, you're probably gonna need to dump a bunch of money in your truck. Maybe there's some support out there. So I want to help those people. Uh, the way I do that is uh, by targeting three types of guests, uh, for the show. So one is content creators and that's anybody from video production to podcasts. Like in this case, um, for people listening, this is we're targeting this episode to release to both uh, my show and your show. So um, that's part of this content creation. Who makes things out there that other people want to pay attention to? So that's one thing. The next thing is uh, the racer or the rider or the driver themselves. The people who are going out hustling, you know, actually having to pay for a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, we're, we want to talk to them and find out how they did it. And the last one is businesses and, and the companies themselves. We're trying to get the perspective uh, behind the sponsorship application, behind the business, like who is actually making decisions. Because ultimately, there's usually only a couple of people who are actually making these decisions at companies. You know, you might say, oh, great, like Polaris is sponsoring me. You know, well, there's probably one to two people that you actually work with at Polaris. So, we try to get in those people's heads and understand what they want. So that's kind of the target, um, you know, I guess that's the three types of guests that we target. Um, and on top of that, we try to bring on um, people who have been in different disciplines. So, you know, rally car or monster trucks, you know, NASCAR. Um, our heaviest guests are in the UTV racing world and the backcountry snowmobiling world. Yeah, backcountry snowmobiling. That's like it's a huge market. <laughs> who would know that? Like, who would yeah. even think about that? Like, if you'd have told me five years ago that I could hop on my sled and like ride up the side of a mountain, and then someone's gonna pay for my gear, or maybe even pay for my snowmobile, well, I would have. That's that's you're you're crazy. But people do it all the time. So, 
<laughs> but that's it. I mean, that's why the show exists. Um, that's why we do this thing. Um, and yeah, I I can I've talked about it for 109 episodes now, and I, we still find new things to talk about every week. It's crazy. And that's that we were you know talking before is we I think in the gas world and other motorsports they've been around longer, and that that side of it those guys have done the trial and error and like on the diesel side it's really prevalent in drag racing right now where Mm -hmm. these guys with diesel trucks are going out there and competing with you know a no prep and street outlaw stuff and they're trying to get there and there's so much that they're learning from the gas guys from suspension and tires and different sorts of things and i think the next big part of it is okay, you want to take this diesel truck, you've put all the money into it, you have the experience, why do you need a sponsor? And that's what I wanted to ask you to share from your experiences. Why does a guy even need a a sponsor or sponsors? Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, One is the obvious piece, money, right? It costs a lot of money to do this stuff. That's every time you joke around with somebody in motorsports, you're like, <laughs> like, yeah, I know it costs way too much money, like, but whatever, you know. I mean, people will live out of their their friends' living rooms to to be able to go race on the weekend. So I get it. Uh, it costs a lot of money, and the businesses they have the money and they want to give it to you with the assumption that there's going to be a return on investment. So basically, it's a win-win. You need support. They need help with their marketing strategy. That's why you do it. That's one of the reasons why you do it. It's for the financial support that comes along with it. You're not going to lie about it. They're not going to lie about it. That's that's the truth of the matter. Um, so that's one piece. The second piece is something I call edification. And this is where you have to partner with companies uh, or even other uh, racers or other drivers or other you know power sports enthusiasts to bring up the entire sport in general. So that's another thing I actually talk about in the show uh, is a, a purpose for the show is that if we can bring more people into motorsports and it's hard to get into because again of the money, but if we can bring more people into it, we can provide a better image for ourselves overall. We're going to be able to grow it, which means my kids. Um, you know, their kids are still going to be able to enjoy these things. Uh, so that's like the, I guess, the higher level benefit, I think, of, of the sponsorship. You bring all of the people around you up at the same time. That is very, very crucial. And it's something that's going on in diesel right now is how do we grow it? You know, I know when I was younger, I always thought diesel trucks were, they're loud. There was like this big puff of black smoke that would come <laughs> out when they would take off. The buses have them. Uh, I'm not really interested, but it's grown so much over the last 10 years where it's, it's not, I don't think mainstream, fully mainstream yet. It's starting to though. And you, and we see that with the Nissan Titan with the Cummins engine and mm-hmm. the F-150 with a three liter power stroke yeah, and the yep. Duramax and the Colorado and the cars and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, now how do we get the person that goes to NASCAR mm-hmm. or goes to some other event? How do we get them interested now in diesel performance? Right. And that's what we're we're trying to do. So it's really key that you mentioned that is growing the sport itself so that it continues on and it's bigger. Right. And, you know, diesel and gas, you know, they've got another competitor now, which is electric. Um, 
now we've got a lot of time before electric is going to really kick in there but that's another thing that say look there's still a huge market for diesel there's going to be for a long time how can we target companies that want to leverage that and ultimately help us gain better exposure you know i for example so you know ford's three liter motor um for the for the the power stroke like that's huge the f-150 is a super popular uh, market for people who aren't necessarily truck people like there's the, the f-150 is very popular um with with women and uh you know younger men and like huge market there they i just recently went to uh detroit lions game and you know it's the it's owned by ford right and it's at ford field so obviously they've got the you know the trucks on display but they had the the three liter everywhere every screen you looked at you know they had a three liter diesel that they were marketing and like so they they obviously have a vested interest in it so like how do we how do we take other companies like ford and you know say look i know you have an interest in it guess what i have access to your market and i'm not only do i have access to it they trust me and if i tell them that you know i'm running this certain type of def or i don't know i'm i'm running this boost gauge um they're probably going to want to buy one as well right yeah they make more money um you get more exposure and more influence we all grow and you got well at that game you also probably got to see the lions beat the patriots right yeah so this is <laughs> i'm still a little soft on this like people know I, I every time i i talk about tom brady i lose like five or six more fans uh but it is what it is so i, I am a patriots fan although i do live in michigan uh but yeah <laughs> it was so embarrassing um the lions killed it though like lions are my number two team they absolutely were on fire. I've never seen them play so good. I've also never seen the Patriots play so bad. Um, but either way, yeah, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm getting through it. I'm getting over it. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> you want to see an interesting sight. You go watch Patriots fans who are not used to losing, right? Patriots are like, yeah, we win. We win quite a bit. And then you see Lions fans who are not used to winning. Oh, my goodness. It's just, a lot. let's just say a lot of people are thrown out. Uh, of the game lots of fights not to get too sidetracked but i know exactly what you're saying because it, <laughs> i think it was a super bowl in 2008 i went to it and the patriots were 17 and 0 i believe mm. and i was there i'm rooting for the giants and it was like it was crazy like before the game I'm like man it's gonna be over at halftime it's gonna be like 42 to 6 <laughs> it's you know the ride back yeah. to the hotel is not gonna be fun so i know what you're talking about and um yeah yeah, yeah it was uh <laughs> oh man <laughs> It's good times though. I, I'm overall happy that I went, but it was just a little different outcome than what I was expecting. What you touched on though is, is really, it's very interesting because you take that F-150, which I believe is the most popular selling vehicle in America for I don't know how many years, and mm-hmm. you put a three liter power stroke in it, and then whether you're you know taking your ATVs out or you're towing your race car to the track with it or whatever it might be, is you've now given that enthusiast, here's this diesel, this F-150 that, you know, you don't need the F-250, you don't need that big of a truck or that tow rating or whatever it might be, and you've connected both of them. And that's that's where I think the market's changing and what your podcast does specifically is for the diesel racers and the fans out there who are wanting to compete is the program. And that's what I wanted to ask you about as well, mm-hmm. is this isn't just, you know, like a shot in the dark trying to guess. You, you really need to know 
Mm-hmm. You know, what's your goal? Who are you going to contact? Who fits what you're mm-hmm. trying to do? And so I wanted to ask you for some tips on that. Yeah, it's very critical to think about it ahead of time. Uh, I'll tell you the first thing not to do is just direct message somebody on Instagram and say, will you sponsor me? Like, it's that's an immediate block or... <laughs> I, so people message me all the time with that sort of stuff. I just had one the other day. I re- I actually felt bad afterwards because, you know, they messaged me and they're like, hey, spo-, like that's what they said, will you sponsor me? And I said, you are the perfect candidate to listen to this show. <laughs> like, please yeah. download a couple episodes. But but that's one thing. But I was the wrong person. So that's the other thing is you got you to find the right person to talk to. Um, you got to know what the company does. You got to find the right person to talk to. My company does not sponsor people. Um, and it's pretty apparent with five to six minutes of investigation that that's not the case. So if you find a company that you're really interested in, take five to six minutes, at least do some research before you ever reach out. So that's one thing. The next thing, you know, trying to find the right person, just ask, Hey, um, trying to figure out who would be the right person to talk to you about, you know, potential partnership. That might be an option. Um, what I recommend people though, ultimately to do is build a relationship first. Um, that sounds simple, but it's actually pretty hard sometimes. What I recommend is if there is a, a brand or a company that you're really interested in, you think, yeah, you know what? I've been using their product for years. I'm really excited about them. Maybe we could actually strike up a partnership. Message them in some way, and I, we can go into ways to, to find out who directly, but message them in some way and say, hey, I love your product. Oh, I might want to respond to that. Okay, I like that. I, I like your product. Uh, tell me a little bit more about it. Or what is something I might not know? Start a conversation and maybe see if that can continue for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. And maybe it leads into, oh, hey, I was thinking, you know, I love your brand. Uh, it seems like we have a connection. What do you think about hopping on the phone and let's have a, you know, a deeper, deeper conversation? At a minimum, build some sort of relationship there. Um, and then at that point too, you, you might be able to now ask the question very safely and very confidently, who should I talk to about this? Are you the right person? You know, a lot of people who, have, who message on social media, they're not the right person to talk to about sponsorship, but they can tell you who to talk to. Uh, yeah. You just have to ask that. Um, and actually LinkedIn is phenomenal for this sort of stuff. Uh, it's so good because people put their titles right on there. You know, race director or sponsorship manager like okay now i know who to talk to it's you and guess what i'm reaching out with a credible profile on linkedin and you can choose to accept or decline my messages but at least now you know i'm a real person or at least it looks like i'm a real person on linkedin those are some excellent tips and i i hope that uh you know like our audience listening they, they really take this to heart because we you know we've been around motorsports for a while and we've seen different levels of it from being an enthusiast to companies, racers, support teams, all that sort of stuff. And it's, uh, it's not as easy as it seems like the message you, you mentioned about Instagram of we sponsor me. Mm-hmm. And there's a blog that's on your, your website from Amsoil yep. that I know we definitely wanted to talk about mm-hmm. is finding the right person. Yeah. And sometimes if you don't know the techniques to do that, you can waste weeks or months. Yeah, because definitely. it's it's in the wrong department and they you know it didn't get filed right or they haven't gotten to it and getting 
to that person is the first step. Yeah. You know, we uh, – actually, the person who wrote that, that blog post was Lindsay Primo. Uh, so she manages a lot of the sponsorships at Amsoil. So, like, big deal. There's two people that really – drive a lot of that they're going to be there's two people that actually accept your resume or your application at amsoil two right that's crazy to think about how many they they might mm-hmm. see in a day or a week i think i remember i asked her i don't remember what the exact number was i think they see at least 50 a week of applications and this isn't the only thing they do like she writes blog posts and you know they do social media they do a lot of other things that's not the only thing they do um but either way that's pretty crazy but you know, I actually got the the blog post pulled up, and if anybody wants to look at it, it's uh, Amsoil has it on their blogs uh, blog site, and I just reposted it to my page. So, sponsoredriderclubpodcast.com. If you go to read, there's a couple of uh, blog posts on there. One of them says very specifically tips and tricks from Amsoil for landing a racing sponsorship. Um, but you know, when we talked about with that with Lindsay, uh, it was on my episode 102. Uh, she said, yeah, contact a person like at an event too uh, can be a tactic. So if you're at an event, like let's say I'm sure a lot of people uh, listening to this might go to SEMA or are interested in SEMA. You know, if you're at SEMA and you find a business that you really like, the first person you go up to, you can ask them, hey, I really would love to talk to somebody that deals with sponsorship. Um, you know, ask that because a lot of times at these events the people who are actually working there don't actually work there they're hired out for that event specifically um or you might be talking to someone who's you know an r&d or someone who just happens to be the event coordinator so you have to find who does your sponsorship they may or may not be there but you can ask at a minimum and then maybe you can walk away with an email address yeah, that is, events are crazy. And SEMA, I've never been to it. It's on my, my list. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> it's on my list to go to, but. It's it's on mine too. <laughs> it won't be on it this year, but it's on it. it it's true though. Like a, say at a diesel event is you go up to the booth and they might be sales guys. They might not deal with marketing or it could be, you know, somebody from engineering. And they're there to answer technical questions. And having been in that position, you know, before is people would come up and, and some of them would ask and I could say, Hey, you know, let me get you in contact with the right person. They're here. They're not here, but this is, you know, their email or their phone number. And you're able to do that verse, you know, like someone, the engineer isn't in charge of sponsorships or marketing or designing products and, and doing R and D. So that's mm-hmm. a great, that's a great tip. If you're at an event, how to find out who the decision. Yeah. Is. And, Exactly. And uh, Kevin Kastner, who's also with Amsoil, um, what he told me about the walk-ups at an event is that, and this is very true, if anybody's ever sat behind a booth at an event, it is very stressful. There's so much stuff going on. It's hard to keep track of everything. And when you have someone coming up and now asking about sponsorship, it can be a little off-putting. Not like people don't want to talk to you, but they're like, ah man, I just can't think about this right now. I'm trying to sell product or I'm trying to set this booth up, whatever it is. Um, but what Kevin Kastner said was, look, if you come up to me in an event, and he would be a good person to talk to in an event. So like, if you came up to him, he said, if you already know what ways you can help me, start with that. <laughs> because now you got my attention. Now you got my attention. So for example, uh, you know, Amsoil 
is making some tweaks in their market to target uh, the Western United States. They're trying to grow in the Western United States. Um, that's actually part of the reason why they are a title sponsor for my show is because I have people out West you know, that, that are uh, prevalent from either the, the listener base or also from the guest space. Um, but they partnered with 509, which is an off-road apparel and snowmobile apparel company. They partnered with them to do a special video to gain access to the Western snowmobilers. Like, that was all part of their market. Now, if you knew that, and you can draw that conclusion by paying attention to some of their posts and things they're going after, if you knew that and you went up to Kevin and said, hey, Kevin, I think I can help you gain access to the Western market because I do, you know, let's say I go out to Glamis with my diesel truck or I do these, um, maybe it's a, a short course racing event or maybe it's a tractor pull. Um, I do this event and there are literally 10,000 people that see me um, and I can definitely represent your brand well and get you access to that market. Boom. Like he's listening to you now. Not only did you tell him you can get him access to a new market, but you actually did some research beforehand. Um, so I don't know. That's It's tough to do that. There's a reason why not everybody is successful at it. It's pretty tough to do, but that's part of the way to get yourself in there. It was very similar with, with us as, you know, Amsoil is a, a sponsor of the Diesel Podcast. And, you know, for me, it was a little different in that I use their products, yeah. like you had mentioned earlier. You know, I, I had used it for a really long time and, and knew racers who did and, and the reputation that it had. And it's, it's something that it appeals, uh, to, you know, to our audience, to diesel truck owners, whether it's an old truck or new truck. And it, it's that connection. And I've, from listening you know, to your podcast and then going on your website, have seen, have seen that connection that Amsoil has to their race program and to the, the people that are out there, whether it's us or it's racers, is that, I think that connection is what makes it so, so important to our listeners and why I talk about it or I talk about the oil or the transmission fluid or the filters and different mm-hmm. things like that is it's not, it's not just the message. It's the product itself, the quality of it, what it can do. And then the support that we get that the race teams out there get and what they're doing for motorsports or diesel performance in general mm-hmm. to help grow it, to be involved in it. And that's something our listeners love. We love, you know, the, the sport itself loves. Yeah. And, that brings up a couple of points that I wanted to kind of touch on today. You know, if you are passionate about a product already, you're going to be much better or at least positioned much better to be a uh, sponsored driver for their program because you already believe in it. You've probably already done research in it, you know, and, and honestly, the reason why influencer marketing works again that's what that's what this is talking about is influencer marketing the reason it works is because people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it so i've shared with people before why when amsoil reached out to me how why i was so excited because i have used their product for years and i do really love it and i do relate to their brand so they share the same values that i have and 
which means I buy what they what they're selling. Vice versa, people share that listen to my show share the same values that I have, and they share the same values uh, consequently that Amsoil has. Therefore, they consume my content and they also buy the Amsoil product. Um, that's huge. Like that's honestly, if you look at any company out there that effectively sells things and you ask yourself or like maybe the next time you buy something uh let's say you're picking out an energy drink and you're like you pick out a rock star instead of a monster think about why did you pick that rock star instead of the monster you know what i mean (laughs) and you're gonna go in your head and be like hmm maybe it's because rj anderson drinks this stuff or and, and guess what i think he's cool and like i believe in his values oh wait wow rock star believes in his values wait a minute you can see how that stuff happens. Um, you know, one of my sponsors that I'll share a story about uh, is Solderweld. So Lance Robinson is with Solderweld, and they produce um, different types of, like, I guess, per, like heat block for doing uh, brazing. And, uh, you know, they've got alloy sole rod and flux. They've got ways to do, like, AC line repairs and really cool stuff. But honestly, I never used the product before, and I was super hesitant when Lance reached out to me. He's like, hey, you know, uh, I had met one of his employees, and he's like, hey, I'd love to be a part of your podcast. He again shared his vision, like he's trying to gain access to the desert racing world. I have followers in desert racing. He was trying to gain access specifically to the right sponsored racers. And I spent, I don't know how long, talking to him for the first time, and I was so compelled with his vision and I was so excited about like his strategy. I said, yeah, I would love to have you sponsor my show, which kind of like that made me nervous because I hadn't used a product before. I was like, I would love to have you be a sponsor in the show. I was like, send me some product. I want to, I want to check it out. But like, I, I can't be bad. Like what you're talking about, the way you talk and the way you, it sounds like you run your business, this product can't be bad. And the more research I did, I was like, okay, everybody loves this stuff. Um, and then, like, but that's all around the same thing. I, I saw his values. I aligned with his values. I made sense to me. And a year later, you know, actually it's more than a year now, you know, he's still sponsoring the show and it's been phenomenal. That is so important. What you brought up with values. And I, and I think even bigger with podcasting is our listeners trusting us and our guests and the questions and the things that we do is, that's, you know, in a way when, when, when you have a sponsor and you're out, say you're out there racing and you align yourself with these companies and you work with them is it flows back and forth. So, you know, the people in the stands, they, they, they love your truck. They see you out there racing. They love what you're doing. Um, they listen to the tips you give on how to build the motor, the transmission, what tuning you use, all those sorts of things. And then when you're able to say, Hey, what I brought to building this truck and racing it, what you guys know about me. It also applies to these companies that work with me and help me keep this truck up and running and maintaining it and going to all these events. And that's, it kind of leads into something bigger. I think with sponsorship is, yeah, it does come down to money, you know, as far as the, the relationship between the racer and the company, but what sustains it and what keeps it going is the interaction and the relationship. And I think you're right. That's probably one of the hardest things to build and maybe even start. But once you do, that's when you don't have a sponsor that's just on for a little bit. They're, like you said, a company you've been working with for over a year is those align and that relationship's healthy and it's productive. 
Yeah, definitely. And the true test, <laughs> this is going to sound a little crazy, but the true test to if that relationship is super strong is if you end up switching brands at some point, which people do it all the time, right? You know, there's probably not a lot of, like Cummins guys that switch to Power Stroke. You know, that's against the rules. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's people who are like, yeah, I'm running Mickey Thompson tires now, and then I'm going to be running BF Goodrich tires next year. And maybe they were sponsored by Mickey Thompson, and they switched to BF Goodrich. That happens. But the true test, if you know you did it the right way, is that person that was with your original sponsor, if they still want to talk to you, if they still want to be – your friend, they still want to keep in contact, or if they say like, wow, this, you know, like, congratulations, that's a great opportunity. If things don't go right, I'm going to be right back here waiting for you. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be your support structure if things don't go well. That's when you know that you've truly did a good job in the process of attracting, retaining a sponsor. Now, if you, if you uh, don't have to do that, if you're in a situation where you can stay with the sponsor for, you know, for a long, long time, that is phenomenal as well. But we all know that there's opportunities that come up. And if you, if you can navigate that transition without breaking or severing that relationship, that's a win because guess what? This sport motorsports is pretty doggone small in general. You know, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, you've heard of that where, you know, everybody knows everybody motorsports is like one degree, you know, everybody knows everybody. Um, and if, as soon as you burn a bridge and, you know, burn a relationship that was never fully formed, that person will remember that. And then they're going to go work at a different company and then they're going to talk to their friends and then they're going to switch companies again. And it, uh, you know, it's this like chain effect that it works out positively. If you have good relationships, that chain effect keeps creating more and more opportunities for you. Negatively, if you burn, burn bridges, uh, and, uh, never really build a true strong relationship that stuff hits home for me he's in my previous career i worked for a large diesel manufacturer and so a lot of the things we've talked about so far or before is what i've gone through i've been kind of in both positions where i've seen you know the email that i get three months late because it went to you know (laughs) engineering at this place and i'm in this department and in the relationships and stuff but it's it's what's so valuable about this podcast is being able to take the knowledge we both have from different sides of it and present it to the racers out there and, or somebody building a SEMA truck or wanting to do something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And that's kind of what I wanted to dive into too, is people doing a build, right? It's very engaging for people outside of a build to watch the progress to document the learning and the challenges and struggles. That's why social media and motorsports has actually been a really positive thing is you can go behind the scenes and see the struggle that it takes to make that custom uh, sway bar, or I don't know, make that the custom bracket for your boost gauge, whatever it is. People love that stuff. And you know, we haven't talked about social media yet, but social media is a huge avenue for sponsors. Many, of the companies out there pay attention to social media. So there's people out there, like if you're listening right now and your Instagram account has 10,000 followers or something, that is a very, very attractive um, opportunity for a sponsor. And you can leverage your builds 
to grow your following by giving people that behind the scenes access. And therefore, when you're behind the scenes, you have opportunity to show people like, yeah, this is the part that I'm using. And guess what? This is how easy it installs. Um, or like, hey, I just jumped off this cliff uh, with my truck and my parts didn't break. Um, and here's the here's like when it happened. Um, you know, people love that. And it's it's truly engaging. I mean, think about reality television, why that's been so successful is it's giving you access to people in a different element. It's made celebrities seem accessible. And when people are accessible, you can trust them. And when you trust them, you will tend to listen to the recommendations that they make and act on those. That's what it's all about. Social media is one of the, it's something I'm really passionate about, especially the topic of sponsorships is, it is important, it, you know, sitting in that desk and seeing emails or applications or profiles that people would send over wanting, you know, either a discount or a free part or something that they would want is if you don't have a social media, it doesn't mean that you're not effective because there are other types of reach. Mm-hmm. However, it makes it harder to figure that out. So I would go and I would look at a social media page and this is where it gets a little tricky is you can have a page and I'm just going to make up some numbers, but say you got a hundred thousand followers and you see a post and there's maybe two or three comments on it. But then you see another, Mm -hmm. you know, another application that comes in, they've got 20,000, but you see 38 comments, 40 comments, 70 comments Mm -hmm. on a lot of their posts is the engagement. So how well does that social media page connect with its base and get them to engage? And I think that gets, I think it can get overlooked sometimes is it's not just about the followers. It's not just about, you know, the services that are out there to buy followers is if we do, you know, give this part to this, this, this racer, this $8,000 part, and he posts about it and we see it at the track, see what he's doing and talks about it. How is his audience interacting with him? And I think that's really important from the sponsor level as well is yeah, they're going to see your part. They're going to see your logo, but do you make that connection uh, between you know the racer or the build and the audience out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the good news is that sponsors pay attention to the engagement, which is how many likes or comments or whatever are on the social media. People, the the people making decisions, pay attention to that. They also very closely pay attention to if you like that scenario you just said. If you have a hundred thousand followers and you're only getting a few engagements, red flag, you bought followers. Yeah. Even if you didn't, <laughs> red flag, <laughs> red flag. And that's it, the reason why these companies exist out there to sell followers or buy followers. Like that's a it's a negative result of you know, the sponsorship opportunity that's out there for people who have uh, a high number of followers, but trust me, do not buy them. If you buy followers, like, and you want a sponsor, just give up. Like it's not going to happen at that point because they can tell very easily. Um, so don't do it. I would much rather you have 500 followers and have a hundred likes, you know, per let's say it's Instagram, a hundred likes per Instagram post 
then you have 20,000 followers and two likes or 10 likes per Instagram post. Like it's, it's a red flag immediately. And it says, don't trust me because I lie. That's what it says. Yeah. Exactly. If you've done it before, it's okay. Get rid of them. (laughs) Go get rid of them right now. Pause this podcast. Go get rid of them. I don't want to see them in there. (laughs) The other part of it too, where, where I would look at it is, you know, sometimes the, the guys don't have time to, to manage the social media page and do live videos or different things like that. But he's going to 20, 30 races a year and he's going there with, you know, he's got his booth. Um, he's accessible. He's talking to people in the pits. Um, maybe other larger companies have him in the booth. Talk about this truck is other types of reach people can have that. It's very easy just to go on social media, click the search button, look it up, see the page, that sort of stuff. But what kind of impact do they have out there racing is, is very important as well. So for the listeners out there that are thinking about, you know, their truck build or something like that, well, I just need a lot of followers and I'll get it. That's not necessarily true. Uh, a lot of it right. can come down to where are you going? Where are you going to be this year? And that would be one question I'd ask people is what events are you going to go to? Yeah. So there is a couple of things I want to talk about for this specifically because social media has huge benefits, but you're right. It is not everything. If you don't have a strong social media following, that's okay. Some companies aren't, they don't care necessarily about a a strong social media following. Most of them do. Most of them do. So I highly recommend having one, but it's okay if it's not strong. But when you go to your races, like you're saying 20, 30 races a year, uh, or, you know, maybe you're going 10 to 15 shows a year for a truck show or whatever it is, take notes of things that could be important for reach. So let's say you go to you go to 30 races a year and every race has you know uh, let's say 100 people. Okay? So you've already got 3000 people that have your eyeballs on it and or have their eyeballs on it. And then you had to drive there. How many miles did you drive there? So if you got a logo on the side of your truck or on the side of your uh you know maybe you got a trailer that you're towing your truck in. How many people in that 15 hour drive do you think would have seen the side of that truck you know that's that's a tangible thing that you can put into it um did there was there tv time you know maybe some of the local stations picked up uh picked up this 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 truck bowl great let's how many viewers do you think that is a lot of race events if you actually talk to the event coordinators they will give you their media stats they'll tell you what their exposure is great You've got now tangible evidence for your reach or exposure. So let's say you go to a sponsor and you say, hey, um, you know, I would really love to, to work with your company. I love your product. And they say, what's your social media following? Well, I total have you know 300 followers across Twitter, Facebook, and, and Instagram. Oh, okay. But, but let me tell you a little bit more. I go to 30 races a year. I see this number... Of, of people at each race. I have my vehicle set up in the pits, you know, 30 minutes ahead and 30 minutes after I signed this many autographs. Oh, okay. Now we're talking. Now I can put some numbers to that. There's actually a book out there. Like I, I can't describe it all to you, but there's a book that Alex Stryler wrote called Motorsports, Marketing and Sponsorships. 
how to raise money to race and give sponsors what they really want. And he, I have it right in here. I'm, I'm flipping through it. Maybe you can hear it <laughs> flipping the pages. <laughs> and uh, I think it was like chapter seven. No, chapter six. It's called Valuation. Valuation. You, like he literally tells you exactly how to calculate what your reach would be at an event without including any social media. Um, it's phenomenal. So like if you do it, if you're uh, I keep going back to truck poles because, um, you know, that's something I used to go to quite a bit and I can relate to it. If you go to a truck pole, uh, 10 times a year and you know how many people are there and like you can approach somebody, um, about a tire package and share all that. Like that's man, that's good stuff. Such good stuff. Oh, it is that, that that's something I definitely appreciate you going more in depth with, you know, especially for for our listeners who are you know, there a lot of these guys they run shops, they run businesses, they're small businesses, they're family businesses. And they're working on mm-hmm. trucks and maintaining them and then they're working on their race truck at night or on weekends mm-hmm. and they don't have the time to go through a hashtag on Instagram and like you know, 200 posts and hashtag it and all that stuff. But the guy's going to, you know, 20, 30 events where there's five to 10,000 people, maybe even more. Some of them are really large and they're there year in and year out. Well, they're seeing that truck go down the drag strip or do that sled Mm -hmm. pull with these logos on it. And they're going to be on this show or they're going to jump on a podcast. You know, they're going to talk to a podcast Yeah, (laughs) and that, that all factors into it. Yeah, definitely. You know, back to the social media thing, I want to share a story that might blow some people's minds. Um, I had Thomas Affelt on here. He runs a snowmobile account on Instagram called Sledders RS. And a lot of people give these, uh, you know, these social media pages some, I don't know, some bad juju. Like they'll say, oh, well, these guys, they don't do any real work. Well, I will tell you, like if you're feeling bad about not growing your social media large enough and you're not devoting six to seven hours a day, like literally a day, don't feel bad about it because that's what it takes sometimes. So Thomas Affelt literally spends six hours a day on Instagram talking, networking. He kept, keeps track of all of his contacts on there. He has a spreadsheet. I mean, last night, it's been almost a year since I talked to him about it. He had a thousand people on it with tracking all their conversations that's what it takes to have a very strong social media presence so you probably aren't going to have that time most people don't all right most people don't Uh, but i will tell you some other ways if you still want to put some focus on it there are ways of doing that without you being the person that actually does the social media some people love this stuff as part of your family right maybe you got a kid and you're like my kid loves Instagram and whatever. They're always messing around with, with Facebook. Give them access to your account. <laughs> Tell them, like all these pictures. Just like them all. Put a little fist bump in there, a little checkered flag. I don't know. Go crazy. Just don't make me look stupid, right? Give them that option. Uh, maybe uh, people have a husband or a wife at home, and you know they have a half hour of, of time where they can do go through and like that stuff. Great. Give them access. Uh, you can hire people too. You can hire people to do your social media pages. It sounds a little crazy, but if you start talking about 
like if you're a grassroots racer and you're just trying to get 10 to 15 percent off you know your tires your turbo or you know something like that it's maybe a new suspension package great you probably are going to be able to handle that yourself but there's people that they start doing this and they get they keep getting better and better and more business savvy they want to hire people you can hire a virtual assistant which is literally somebody that you never see uh, and you pay them at an hourly rate you can pay them at an hourly rate to go through and do your social media you can pay you can contract a company to do social media for you you can actually build that into your sponsorship proposal you can say hey bf goodrich like here's all the reach i can get and guess what if i hire somebody to run my social media for three grand uh i don't know a year i'm just making up a number if you if you hire somebody for three grand a year i'm also gonna i'm probably gonna sell 10 more grand to your tires all right then they then they cover that they cover that three grand so there's ways to kind of start thinking about well if i am a weekend warrior and i have a full-time job i don't have time for the social media but i think i can grow my program as a result maybe i contract a friend or a family member or hire somebody to do it it's feasible it's feasible to do this stuff it does work like i mean i'll be on like the diesel podcast instagram page or facebook or something and i search a hashtag i go in there and i'm looking at cummins or cummins power or duramax diesels or power stroke and see this really cool truck and i'll i like that picture so another one like it and then i can see a few minutes later i got a follower and it's the guy's picture i liked and now they're like hey i I've never heard of your podcast. I'm just listening to it. Or, hey, really love this episode about this turbo or this transmission or whatever it might be. It does work, and you're absolutely right. Sometimes the time is really hard to find, but it uh, if you can get that interaction, get those fans going, then mm-hmm. that's what sponsors want to see. They want to see, like we talked about earlier, the interaction and the the connection between the audience and the racer or the build or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one thing that we talk about a lot on the show is mindset. I actually have sections devoted to pretty much each episode to talk about mindset because it's actually programmed into a lot of us to feel that getting a sponsorship is some way of cheating or like that you don't deserve it, you know, or like I wasn't raised that way to get handouts. So I want to talk about that next because that can be a block. Um, Those are all legitimate things. I don't like, let's say you don't believe in getting handouts. Great. That's legitimate. Um, But I want to flip this so that you can look at that and say, this is not a handout. This is legitimate work. When you agree to a sponsorship deal with somebody, you are now essentially an, an employee or contracted employee for that company you're now the salesperson the marketing person that is a job so consider it work and remove that mindset that it's a handout and that it's just free stuff and you don't deserve it you don't that's not the way you were raised you were probably raised to work hard you know if i know anything about people who drive diesel trucks (laughs) like they're raised to work hard right and probably a lot of people that listen to the show they work on their own vehicles and they have a day job and they're they're doing the hustle this is work too so think of it that way and then you can remove that that barrier that you don't deserve it or you don't take handouts or whatever it's not it's hard work and most people can't 
they can't do it because it's just it's too difficult. So think about it that way. Um, and then the next thing is uh, around that same mindset topic is trying to be yourself. So especially with social media, gosh, it makes it tough to be yourself. It really does. You, know, you look at everybody else's highlight reel and you see someone being successful. You're like, oh, if I could just be more like you know Jimmy Joe over there, then I'd then I'd get a sponsor. No, forget Jimmy Joe. Um, because if you try to be like Jimmy Joe, you're going to look super fake. And that nobody wants to see fake people. Like, there's probably something unique about you that other people are going to relate with or think is pretty interesting. And they're going to want to engage with you in some way, shape, or form, whether it's an autograph at a, at a racetrack or, um, you know, a selfie with you at a, you know, a truck show. I don't know. Um, those things are all help in the process. So, but being yourself legitimately is tough to do, especially if you're trying to get yourself on social media in some way, shape or form, it takes some time to loosen up. That is, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because it is something that I've heard tossed around before where someone will say, well, no, I don't believe in a handout. Well, whether they took the time to build that social media page or to put this truck together for an event or they race it 20, 30, 80 times a year, that is money in a sense. Um, right. And they've invested it, the time and the money to do it. And a sponsor is saying, hey, I want to go into an agreement with you and I want access to what you're doing. And in return, I'm going to give you this. And so it's not mm-hmm. it's not for free, you know. It it's right. It, it is really a fifty fifty relationship, and yeah, anyone out there that's thinking about it, going, you know, getting sponsored, trying to get a sponsor, you, you have to look at it that way because it's what it really is. Whether you know it was time away from your family, time at night, weekends, or you spent six to seven hours a day running your social media and you know not going mm-hmm. out or not going to events, your time is worth right. money. And be proud of what you right. built, and you know the sponsors will be they'll be lining up. You know it, it doesn't happen right away or overnight, but if you I think consistency is a big thing. If you're consistent with it, people will know. Like you said earlier, mm-hmm. motorsports it's it's big, but it's not that big. You know, and we all mm-hmm. see what the trends are and what's going on, and you know who who's coming onto the scene and who consistently stays there and what they do. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, another thing that I feel is a roadblock to the whole sponsorship world is the big scary word contracts. Like, I have definitely thought about this before. I My past uh, day job was uh, in the med device industry in engineering. And, like, <laughs> the quality systems and the regulations are so complicated, they're terrifying. Well, when I think of the word contract, I think of scary complicated need a lawyer all that stuff and you know i've definitely heard it on this show before people are like well i don't know if i really want to go through this effort to get this sponsorship deal because yeah it will make it will give me access to more races or will allow me to move up to the next level in the in the class but i'm gonna have to sign a contract and that's gonna tie me in all these loops and it's gonna be super complicated I'll tell you what, this might be surprising, but there are a lot of companies, especially some of the smaller companies, that operate off of handshakes. 
you know, they, they you build that relationship. They trust you. They say, no contract needed. Let's just do this thing. Yeah. All right. Remove well, some true. of that fear. That's All right. True. Now there are, there's definitely a lot of companies out there that do contracts, but when you enter in a contract deal with them, it's okay. <laughs> like if you've already built a relationship with them ahead of time, it's probably going to be a pretty comfortable experience. I have never, I don't think I've heard on this show one time where somebody's like, I entered into a contract. It was super horrible and scary for me and end up hurting me in the long run. Um, when these deals are put together, at least on the smaller scale. So let's say if we get more than a hundred grand a year for a deal, it might start getting into that scarier region. But when it gets scary, if you're at that, that, that threshold, you hire a lawyer, you pay him 500 bucks, removes the fear. You're good to go. But like, if you have a trusting relationship with the sponsor and you do have a contract, it is so it's very comfortable, I think. So, you know, I'll just share this. Uh, you know, Amsoil and I have a contract for the show and the way we went through it was, I don't, almost natural. I mean, I said, Hey, what do you think about this? Oh, I like that. What do you think about this? Ooh, that's cool. Hey, we want you to do this. Oh, that's awesome. I do that anyways. All right, let's write it down. It was that simple. Um, and that's how a lot of these deals are, but there's so many handshake deals out there. It's just incredible. It's incredible. I think you know to, to to add to that is when if there is a contract or whatever the agreement is, I think it's important to set it up for what you know you can fulfill. Yes. And you set the expectation on both sides, and you're right. It's they're very smooth. They're they're not scary or complex. But you know if you know as an example, if a sponsor's like, hey, you need to win fifty percent of your races in this ODSS class this year, well. Mm-hmm. If you feel you can, go ahead. But if you're, you know, if you're winning 10, 15, 20% of the time, that's something where you say, hey, I, I can't do that, but how about this? And you can negotiate it. You don't have to put yourself in a in a position to feel like you're being set up for failure. And ultimately, the sponsor and the racer, they're, they're going for the same thing. So it's two parties working for the same goal and just meeting in the middle somewhere. And... Yeah, they're they're not as scary as they seem, even with a contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when people enter into a sponsorship deal where a contract is not involved, sometimes you don't even realize it's happening. Like, I don't know if you've ever run into this before, but I've had this happen to me a couple of times in the in the past. Where I'll, I'll actually go through the a specific example here, so. Studboy Traction, the owner of Studboy Traction is Ron Patton. And for people who uh, know the snowmobile world at all, Studboy produces uh, traction products like uh, studs that go in the track of the snowmobile and then also, uh, you know, wear bars that help you turn uh, on ice and in the snow. And I interviewed Ron Patton on a show. He was phenomenal, super knowledgeable guy. And afterwards, I was like, man, I've been running Studboy for so long. I was like, I just got to tell you, it is awesome product. He's like, oh, cool, man. He said, well, what are you running? You're running it right now. I said, well, I just bought a new sled. I haven't put any studs on it yet. He's like, oh, oh, well, I'm going to take care of you on that. Just tell me what you need. And I was like, oh, okay. No, I don't. Don't worry about that. I'll just take care of you. He's like, no, listen, I like what you're doing. Tell me what you need. End of story. 
and legitimately he set me an entire uh, stud package and wearable package. And for people who snowmobile, like they know it's just like maybe not quite as bad as a diesel truck, but they're expensive. They and they break all the time. Uh, so I'm like, this guy legitimately just put his business out there on the line for me. I didn't ask for anything. He said, just whatever. And I said, what do you want me to do for you? He's like, whatever you think is appropriate. That was it. <laughs> whatever you think is appropriate. But guess what? It's been, yeah, about a year. Yeah, about one year since then. And I tag him on everything. I go see him at every show that he's at where I'm also there. Um, I'm constantly talking about stud boy. I've been using it for a long time anyways, but like, I didn't even know it was happening and it just, and it just, it, it, it did. And now I, I feel le- legitimately obligated to, to sell his products and help grow his business because, because he helped me. And I, I don't know. It's that stuff. It just happens. There's no contract we didn't even physically shake a hand. <laughs> like, it just happened. Yeah. Mutual trust. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just like in our our industry or niche, it's the same thing. Like a lot of the products I've ran before for years in different ways, whether it's like ATS diesel or Amsoil or PPI tuning or just tons of different companies where I've had that experience or I've known people that had it and it was there for years. And then you get to this point and it's just like I know a lot about your product line already. I've ran this for this amount of miles. I know it works. I know it's great. I know all these different things and they just sort of happen. And that speaks to what you were saying earlier about if you have experience with companies, like how to identify the right kind of sponsors and products you believe in or have used or purchased or things like that. It's just, it's a natural sort of relationship because you as a consumer know it, you know, how those, how that product performed, you know, on your snowmobile mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. same thing with me and ATS or PPI tuning or whatever it might be is that experience is there and it's, it's natural. Mm-hmm. Well, what about you, man? I mean, you've got experience with this stuff. Um, are there specific challenges that you've run into in the past that you've overcome or maybe challenges that you've helped others overcome in this world? I think the the number one thing, I actually pull it from that blog that Lindsay wrote mm-hmm. that's on your site, is get to the right person. Sometimes I would get those applications two to five months after they were sent. Not because I ignored them, but because they got lost. Yeah. So find the decision maker. And then two is, you know, like the Instagram message you talked about of, will you sponsor me? Well, you have to do your research. You have to treat it like a race or an event or a build and say, this is my social media reach. These are the events I go to put it together. Um, you know, put it in a document, something that's easily emailed, that's clear and concise. And just, it doesn't have to be extremely detailed, but just give me a quick snapshot of who you are, what you do and how we can help you. Because at the point I would take this and say, you know, go to my, the owner or the general manager and say, I think we should invest in this guy. This is what he's doing. They're going to ask me, what does he want? Well, it could be a $9,000 transmission. It could be, you know, this tuning, this, whatever it might be. And obviously 
being in that position to influence a decision, I need to say, you know, to my superiors is we need to invest in this is going to help us. This is where we're going to get into a different market or get reach in a different way than we have. And this is what he's going to give us. It makes that process or I think the success rate much higher. And in some of those situations, it could be a, a large social media page with a lot of interaction. Other times it was very minimal social media reach, but the guy would go to 30 events a year and he had magazine articles written, written about him or was on the cover of one of the diesel magazines or he won a big 50k race or something like that where he had that following and you know but at that time i think forums were played much more of a role in it mm -hmm. um first now i think it's more social media but they would have that following and so i would just want to be given the tools to get a quick snapshot to see and then be able to present it where if you got to go back and forth and there's no information there. There's no stats. There's no goals. There's it, it makes it really hard to try to facilitate either a discount or money or whatever it might be. So that would be the tip that I would give is spend the time, do the homework. Um, if you know people that are really good at that, they can pull those stats. They can help you put it together. I think the success rate's higher than not and having to do a huge long email exchange with it because, like you said at Amazon, there's two people and they see 50 a week. How much time are they going to be able to do that? And that same thing is true at a number of different companies is they got to work fast. They got to work quick and you can increase your chances by giving them all the info that they, you think they would want to see that would increase your chances of success right up front. Once you reach the decision maker, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, you know, I had another kind of a follow-up question so when you did this in the past, what did you look for? I mean, what was your idea of a solid brand ambassador? It would be one of the two things we talked about earlier. It would either be someone with a social media presence that had engagement that I could see through the comments or the likes or the shares that people looked to that individual for guidance or looked for their opinion or would follow them. The other kind would be the person that's out there traveling, that's going to events where I know this race is, you know, or this event is going to have 50,000 people come through in three days or four days or whatever it might be. They're going to be there. And so it was about the relationship to me between the racer or the person and what they were trying to do versus a page with just a whole bunch of likes and not a lot of engagement or maybe they only went to two events a year or three or it was just in a specific region or a, a county even and you know in diesel and i'm sure in the gas world people travel so is this guy in northern florida is he going to go up to tennessee and then indiana and ohio and then maybe come out west and then go through texas and louisiana and hit up these races okay he's reaching a big part of this market verse if it's just a, a county sled pull or something small, well, how much reach are we going to have between these two people? And it gets really complex in that sense because the guy that might be staying in that county might have a huge social media reach versus the guy who's traveling all over the country might have a smaller social media reach. But that's where you can balance it and look at it. And sometimes they both get sponsored. They might hit two different sides of it in different ways. Other times, you know, we'd make a decision based on what's currently out there. 
who are we currently sponsoring now? What are they doing? And I read this on, on your site, or I think it was on the Amsoil blog. Mm-hmm. It's about rejection. Yeah. And just because you get a no right now doesn't mean it's always going to be a no. So sometimes these companies, they're, yeah, we would sponsor any number of different people. And it might be 70% social media presence, 30% racing. Sometimes it would switch. And that application just wouldn't line up quite at that time. But it doesn't mean six months later, I'm not saying, hey, you know what? I, I really want to you know, help this guy be involved with them partner with him because he's hitting these events that you know we might not be going to or we are going to and we want him there so no doesn't mean forever it just means for right now it might not line up Mm -hmm. yeah that's huge too in many cases especially if you're working on a bigger deal it takes months and sometimes years where I've, I've heard people give examples where it was like five years. So they submitted an application. It was initially rejected. They stayed in contact with somebody at that company. And five years later, they're getting a sponsorship deal. It's, it literally, it happens all the time. But yeah, what, what Lindsay put in that blog post, yeah, learn from rejection. Um, sometimes it's not a good fit, at least not right now, but maybe it will be later. I, this is actually, something I really want to drive home with your audience here is that just try it. Like even if you haven't fully vetted it out and you know, you're going to make a mistake, that's okay. I think it's better to try some of these tips that we've talked about today and see if it works. If it doesn't, you take notes, change up your strategy a little bit, but you'll never know truly how it feels or truly how to execute a deal like this unless you try. So give it a shot. Yeah. You, you honestly, you might get embarrassed. It like the person who messaged me the other day, right? They messaged me, sponsor me. All right. That was a, they legitimately apologized to me shortly after that, after I gave them a few tips, they apologized and said, I'm so sorry, but guess what? They learned the next one, the next person they contact, it's going to be a much better, outcome than this one but maybe it's going to take 10 more tries i don't know but try if you don't try the answer is definitely no that's why we're doing this episode is to be able to talk to the world out there that's interested whether it's diesel or gas or any type of motorsport and say this is what we've learned from all the different angles we've been involved all the people we've talked to here it is we're trying to help you we're trying to help you be successful in what you do and yeah, give you give you some confidence, give you some tips, and sell yourself like you talked about earlier on social media. Don't copy someone, just be yourself. And there would be builds I would look at that they wouldn't be the fastest truck out there. They might not have the largest social media page, but it is such a unique build or race truck, what they're doing, that we want our name on that. It's going to get attention. It might not win the race, but there's going to be pictures taken. It might be on TV. It's going to be in magazines. I want to be involved in that. And everyone has a story, whatever type of vehicle it is. There's something unique about it that separates it from another racer. And that racer has something else that's unique. And being able to summarize that or convey that to companies, I think, is very key as well in the success rate that that you'd have as a you know a company or an individual looking for sponsorship Mm -hmm. definitely 
Um, I actually want to bring up uh, another question that I ask a lot of the guests that come on my show. And I'm curious what, what your thought would be. Now, most of the guests that come on my show are prepped with this question. You don't have that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting this on on the fly. Uh, but if you could sponsor anybody out there in the world right now, you know, who would you pick? Who would you sponsor and why? Oh, I would have to, like, in, in motorsports or in diesel? I mean, it's up to you if you want to go outside of that. <laughs> I want to sponsor Let's, Tom Brady because everyone knows who Tom Brady is. And no, that's, just, right. <laughs> that's, right. oh. that's exactly right. You just lost a couple of, uh, of fans as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. Um, well, hey, while you're thinking about it, I'm going to tell you why I asked that question. I asked that question because I'm trying to put people in the shoes of a sponsor because we talked about earlier there are actual human beings that are making these decisions and human beings despite what we may try to 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 think otherwise they make decisions based off of emotions because that's how we're wired the limbic system in our brain is what actually makes a decision uh we just try to put words and data and stuff to it but that's what does it um there are real people out there and if you put yourself into that into their shoes and think about the way they think about it, you'll find the characteristics that you should model. Like I've, you know, you just said before, I want someone who's going to these races, who's hustling. Okay, great. Maybe hustle is a, a key factor in your decision. Um, you can relate to hustle. Like if you're doing a podcast, I know that that takes hustle Cause like I do it too. Um, but that's, that's something that you can relate to. Okay. Now as a human being, you've just made a relation to, to, a characteristic of somebody else. Um, so now that's on your, your, what, if you emulate that, if you model that, you'll attract companies that also want to, to emulate and model that. I think I got it. So, Oh, good. One of our sponsors is diesel doctor out of Tennessee and Mm -hmm. they build diesel engines. So Cummins Duramax power stroke. And I've heard of them. I've known about them for a while and I did a podcast with them not long ago. I'm talking with the owner, Cass, and he's going through like all they do on a 6.4 Power Stroke to fix some of the some of the weak points or things that can pop up in the factory design. And he's going through all the details of blueprinting and balancing and the valve train. And he's told me about a build he's involved in with a 6-liter Power Stroke. We had mentioned superchargers. What's well, a supercharged 6-liter uh, Power Stroke in a, I think it's a 64 or 66 Ford pickup. Um, it does have a turbo on it as well. And I heard about it and there's nothing like this that I've seen in diesel with mm-hmm. that kind of swap into that, your truck with that motor, with this kind of air setup and all the crazy things they're doing. It has a Lenko transmission in it. And it was so unique that I had to talk to the guy. Like I, I wanted to have him on the podcast and I did. And we talked and you know, his goal is to go to street outlaws and compete and he's doing it with such a cool platform that it grabbed my attention because it was different not because it made 2500 horsepower or was in a platform that everyone's built before it was just something really unique and it's something where you know on social media they have a social media page and they post and they do things like that but he's a guy going to events with a really cool build that's going to turn heads in the diesel industry 
because of everything that's in it. And so that's what caught my attention and who, you know, if we sponsored, which we don't sponsor, you know, racers per se, but just if I was in that position to do something or work for a company that did, I'd want to get in contact with him because of his unique Mm -hmm. build and where he's going. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's awesome. So I, I encourage people to do this exercise with themselves too. You know, think about who they would sponsor and why, then that might help them see what kind of traits they value. And maybe that's what, you know, that's something they can market to others because, like I said, humans are making those decisions. You know, uh, one thing that I kind of wanted to give a, I guess, a shout out to your female listeners. Um, One of the things that's that's happening, a a trend in motorsports that's really been fueled strongly by the UTV world, um, you know, in in UTVs by creating uh, a platform like that, you remove some of the strength requirements, like say that would come across in motocross or in ATV racing, where the the male and female racer now are much more evenly matched. On Supercross, you've got physical characteristics that play in uh, that create some some disadvantages for the female racers. But you put people in the side by side, or like in this case, in a truck. All right, now we might even be looking at on average weight advantages, um, and like this is a huge opportunity for women to take off in motorsports right now. Social media gives them a platform for a voice and the, the playing field is much more leveled based off of the, the types of vehicles that are out there now. So what I want to tell you too, is one of the, the, the things that, um, companies are noticing is this big surge in the female interest in motorsports. Um, it's only going to get bigger from here. So if you're a female right now and you're thinking like, Hmm, how can I make my way into the world of motorsports sponsorship? Think about how there's many companies out there, especially in motorsports companies that they have 80 to 90% of their market is male, 80 to 90% of their market is male. And there's more females by a couple percentage overall in the world. So that means there's this massive untapped market of female riders and drivers that these companies could be looking at and saying, hmm, if I sponsor a honor, honorable, successful, well-marketed female driver who's doing truck pulls, if I sponsor them, how many young girls who are aged 7 to 12 or whatever are watching her run this truck right now? How many of them? And now they're thinking 10 years from now, my market, my market share is going to climb by 10 to 15% because I've accessed a new market. So think about that women. Think about that ladies. Uh, I actually know of some male, female, uh, or I should say husband, wife combo race racers that have switched their marketing program uh, from heavily marketing the husband to heavily marketing the wife because of this exact concept. So think about that, folks. That's something that, that we feel very strongly with, you know, with our podcast. And one of the, the series that we've run and we've had around is called Women of Diesel. Mm-hmm. And there's women who race 1,000 horsepower, 1,500, 1,600 horsepower trucks. 
and they'll put a guy guy's truck on the trailer. Like they know what they're doing. They will do it. And we see it, especially interacting with the shops and the racers is women play such a huge role in the whole industry from marketing, um, accounting to talking with the, you know, at a shop, talking with the customers, lining everything up, getting the parts for the race truck. Some of them race the race truck. And I think that's really key and something we're really passionate about as well is women involved in, in motorsports. Like this podcast, it, the founder of the diesel podcast is a woman. Mm-hmm. She, you know, it, it's her vision. Um, I'm on the episodes cause I know a lot about diesel trucks and a lot of the guys, <laughs> but that's her vision. And I'm, I'm very proud of, of that and the example that she sets and all the women we've talked to, whether they've done ultimate call out challenge, diesel power challenge, they're out there racing, they're doing different things. And, and I'm right there with you. I, I, I definitely want to see that become more center in motorsports. And I want to see that enthusiasm and passion for racing, whatever kind it is young girls see it and say, I want to do that. And I can do that. And I'm going to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we want this sport to exist, I talk about bringing money in, um, from other businesses. We also need to get more people involved And the biggest untapped market right now is women. If we can continue to, to bring women into motorsports and show them it's okay that we not only do we accept them there, like we want, we need them there. Like, we have to have women coming in here, taking podiums, making these guys look bad. We got to have that because if if we don't, we're we're gonna tap out. We're gonna tap out on on what our potential really is. And uh, and that, if you look at at my show too, people have been listening for a while. They they notice that there's a large large percentage of you know female athletes and, and racers that come on the show. And, you know, they're passionate about this too. Like they're, they're say I exist because I know that there's a young girl that's super excited about what I'm doing and they see that it's possible because 20, 30 years ago, it didn't look like that. It didn't look like that was possible. Um, and now, now it does. And, and so I, I've definitely, I bring this up too, because I've, I've heard the chatter too, uh, from people saying, oh, well, it's easier for a woman on social media to market herself well to an extent the answer is yes because of what we just talked about and guess what that's okay let's support them like let's instead of instead of complaining about it let's see what we can do to uh you know to help make their dreams a reality because you know that's everybody we're all like i talked about edification earlier we're all in this together and uh you know if we don't help each other support one another then you know this industry won't exist Man, I think we've given a lot of the uh, the racers and you know, people looking at builds, we've given them a lot to think about and hopefully inspired some people. Like you said, just do it. Just try it. Just go approach your first sponsor and just try it and uh, you know, take it to the next level. You know, do do what you want to do with, with your race vehicle or your build or whatever it is you're trying to do. We gave some good tips. So I appreciate your expertise as well and, and bringing the things that you've learned too to the diesel market and our listeners and, and, uh, you'll help and educate us as well. Yeah. I really appreciate you reaching out to me and talking about this. Cause it's a huge, huge passion point for me. And I love talking about it with, with new guests too. So thank you very much for that. Awesome, man. Yeah. We'll have to do it again and, and sit down and, and, uh, 
chat again and i'm sure we'll come up with a bunch of other things i mean that's <laughs> it's such a big topic but yeah but uh yeah appreciate you chatting with me sounds great man yeah so i guess we did do a went way over the time too <laughs> yeah. uh that's good though don't forget diesel fans make sure and head on over to dieselworldmag.com check out what diesel world is bringing to uh to all of us from around the country and around diesel and also diesel doctor of tennessee let's go to diesel911.com or you can give them a call at 901-553-9847. They can answer any questions you might have about building your Power Stroke, Cummins, or Duramax. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.